Hey, it's winter time here in the hill country. That means it's 60 and 70 degrees and uh, <laughs> a little bit of moisture, right? But, but, but it's winter time. And, 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 and I don't know if you've really taken a survey of our landscape, but for the most part, all of our plants and trees around the hill country during this season, they, they go dormant, don't they? Uh, they, they, many of the trees lose their leaves. How many of you raked leaves over the last several months and several different occasions, right? I still do that. I still believe in hard work and a man owning his domain. Amen. Come on, man. Rake a leaf dudes. That's what's wrong with us today. Things are turning brown. The lights of Christmas. And don't you love Bernie during the Christmas season and all the lights and, and everything? But, but they're all gone now. And things are like, oh, man, it's kind of a letdown. It can be, right? Things lose their luster. Things lose their vibrancy. They appear to be dead. But can I tell you something? They're not. They, they, they just look dead, right? Today, we're going to launch into a new series entitled Dormant. Dormant. Now, I looked it up just to make sure that I really understood what I was about to be preaching on. Amen? And I looked it up, and here's what the word dormant means. It means this. Having normal physical functions suspended or slowed down for a period of time. Some of you, it's like your exercise program. <laughs> You're dormant. I raise a hallelujah. Amen? So things are slowed down for a period of time. It's as if you might be in a deep sleep, a deep sleep. It's dormant. It's a dormant season that we're in right now, right? And the seasons come and seasons go, th seasons change. We, we have two around here, hot and less hot, right? But, but it's, a, it's a dormant season right here. And, and, and things look dead, but they're, they're not. It looks like, the, oh man, we need to uproot those and, and replant when, when the springtime comes. No, no, no. It's just that things have kind of slowed down. They're, they're, things are just suspended right now. It's as if it's in a deep sleep. Dormancy is good. Our plants and vegetation need that time. But I want you to understand that something incredible is happening during this season of dormancy. There's preparation taking place. What, 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 what looks gone and what looks, looks wasted is, is, is not hopeless. There's preparation taking place. The growth and everything is slowed down. But you need to know that things are still very active on the inside. You see, it's in these times of dormancy that growth occurs. Just as our vegetation and our landscape looks a little dormant and, and, and not as nice as it's going to look, say, come Easter, right? Right? I believe that there are times and seasons in our spiritual lives in which we go dormant. Things may not be fiery hot for you right now spiritually. People look at you and say, bro, what is wrong with you? I thought, thought you had Jesus. You need to tell your face that because I don't see him on you right now, right? For some of us, maybe there's not an excitement in a zeal. There's not a fiery passion within us. It's as if we're in a sleep. It's as if things have been suspended or slowed down, even spiritually. For some of you, you're thinking about 2019 and it scares you and, and you think your future is dim and bleak. You've not noticed really any progress in, in, in your life and, and life just doesn't seem as exciting. 
And from the outside, you and life just look dead. But that doesn't mean that nothing's going on. You need to remember that God is always with us and he's still holding us up even when we don't feel it. And you also need to understand that just as our vegetation and our landscape has gone dormant, there's still life and vitality taking place. There's preparation and transformation taking place. God is doing that in you potentially right now. And so over the next few weeks, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're to challenge you to maybe consider some things that have gone dormant in your life. It's not that you're dead or that God is, is done with you and that there's no hope. But maybe just over these next few weeks, this time will serve as a reminder for us to, to maybe consider some things that need to be brought back to life within us. Doesn't look alive, but, but maybe there's some things that maybe we could resurrect. Maybe there's some things that, that, that need to be evaluated. Maybe there's something that, that an area in our life that burned fiery red hot, but it seems non-existent now. Are you okay with that? I want to bring some life back to us, you might say. And here's what I want to encourage you with as we set out on our journey today. God's not done with you. He's preparing something greater. Amen? Listen, if God were finished with us, we wouldn't be present today. We'd be gone. But we're here. And I'm just going to simply hold on to that promise that God's not finished and there's something greater on my horizon. Come on, somebody. Don't you want something greater to take place today? Amen? And let me ask you a question. Do you remember the first time you fell in love? Oh, man. Do you remember that boy or that girl that just you were smitten with, right? Maybe it was in elementary school, maybe middle school, high school. For some of you, maybe it's now because you're on Tinder. I don't know, but you've been smitten with. Do you remember the first time you fell in love with someone of the opposite sex, that boy or that girl? I remember. I remember her name to this day. Her, I'm not going to mention her last name. But her first name, well, I love my wife. I mean, she's the best. Listen, everybody else were just kind of uh, warming up, warm up, you know? But, but I never forget sixth grade year, Robin. I mean, doesn't that name just bring emotions to you right now? Robin. Now, here's the thing about Robin. She was a year older than me. You see, there's something you need to understand about your pastor. I was a hunk. No, I'm just kidding. A hunk of junk. But anyway, Robin and I went to church together. That's where we met. It's not a bad place to meet people. Not a bad place. I want to have a speed dating night here at 1910. I really do. We'll filter people. We'll background check people. And we're going to set up tables in two minutes. You get after it. Talk. We're going to... I'll never forget, Robin, we met at church. Now, I would love to tell you, Randy, that what compelled me as a sixth grade boy... To go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Monday night visitation. And he, I would love to tell you it was my love for Jesus, but it wasn't. It was my infatuation with Robin. You know, I think, I think you've been where preachers, but hey, do you remember that first love? Do you remember, do you remember when you got a handwritten letter from someone? And, and you remember, I mean, just... Guys, is, the guys' letters, I'm sure girls, I don't know how you could decipher, but the, you girls have always, you're, you're, you've, grown, you've always had great penmanship. 
And I never forget getting those letters. And, and when they spritzed perfume on that letter, come on, round of applause. How many of you girls have ever written a letter to a boy and you put a little foo-foo on it? Come on. Yeah. You see what I'm talking about? And you guys know what that did to you when you smelt it. Whatever that was, Aquanet, whatever it was, you know, what, there was just something special about it. You remember those times you were a little embarrassed and we were awkward, right? We were awkward. And so we wouldn't really like lock eyes and or spend it, but it was just a little flirtatious look around the locker or through the playground or something like that. Right. You remember that? You remember the first time you held hands with that person Oh, and pray that your mom and your daddy didn't see it. <laughs> Times have changed. Haven't they? Come on. Times have changed, but you remember the time you first fell in love. Remember that? The emotions that it roused within you. Those thoughts, for some of us, we, we still remember their first name. We still remember that. Let me ask you a question. Do you remember that first time you fell in love with Jesus? Do, 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 do you remember that day? Do you remember that time when, 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 when you say, you know, this is the moment in which I fell in love with a wonderful Savior? Do, do, do you remember those emotions that you experienced that day? Was there an excitement within you that, that you couldn't contain? You, 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 do, do you remember that time? I remember for me, it was in the third grade. Third grade, two best years of my life. I loved it. But I remember running to, to the playground on that Monday morning after Jesus came into me on a Sunday night and telling people, interrupting the kickball game. I gotta tell you guys, I met Jesus and did you remember those emotions? You see, we had heard stories and we sang songs about him, but, but, but it, it kind of became real for us. Do you remember when you got your first Bible? Oh man, and if your name was printed on it, wasn't it more special and holy? Remember that? Remember that love you had for your Bible? I used to keep, I kept the box that came in and I would put it back in the box when it was finished. And oh, if your Bible had pictures in it, come on somebody. You remember those days? You remember that excitement you had? You, you remember how you couldn't wait to tell someone? You remember maybe how you, you begin to think a little bit differently about, should I do this or should I not? That, that, that maybe for some of you, it wasn't a matter now of, of just pleasing your mom and dad, but now you had a savior in you and you needed to consider what would Jesus do right now? Do you remember the moment you fell in love with Jesus? Do those same emotions and fire that you had that day, are they still in you? Do making decisions based on what Jesus would have you do, is that still what compels you and drives you today? Is there still a hunger and a passion? Oh, I want to, I don't want to just hear about, I want to read about what God's will is and his desire for my, is, that, is the word of God still a big deal to you? Is prayer still present? Or has it just become rote and routine? Is that relation, do you still know his name? It's easy for us to forget our first love, isn't it? 
And it's easy for some of us, that fire that burned bright within us, whether that be over a human relationship, but more importantly, a spiritual relationship. It's so easy for that not to just burn as bright as it once did. Am I talking to anybody? It's easy for us to, to forget those emotions and those thoughts and to be eat up with that same love. Well, today, as we kick off this series, I, I want us to look and, and, and see a, a, an instance in scripture in which there was a church that did just that. They lost their first love. And within that church, a church is, of course, made up of individuals. It's the body of Christ. The people within that gathering had, 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 had kind of lost that same passion and fire and zeal that once burned so bright hot in them for Jesus. I'm going to read from the book of Revelation chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. Look what the word of the Lord says. Are you guys okay if I read some Bible to you today? Here's what it says. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in the right hand and the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered that they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Things are good. Sounds pretty good, one through three. But look at verse four. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. Now, for some of you, you, you understand and, and know what's happening here. This is in the book of Revelation. For Revelation, some, it scares them away and they don't give it a thought or, or time of day. So let me just kind of explain something briefly to you, if I may. This message that we read here in Revelation chapter 2 is a message from the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in there that it says it's to the angel or the messenger of the church in, 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 in Ephesus. Now, those of you that know anything about the Bible, the Bible Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit, given to some 40 different authors, men that wrote down the words of inspiration from the Holy Spirit. This book of Revelation is one of those. It was penned by a man by the name of John. But this message that we read in John chapter two is not John's message. It's a message from Jesus Christ himself. John is the human being. He's been exiled to an island called Patmos. He's been left there to die. He thought his life was over. But in the midst of being exiled to Patmos, John had an encounter with the Holy Spirit of God. Come on, somebody. You know that that's awesome living, isn't it? And he began to write down. The revelator began to write down these words inspired. These words we hear are, are not John's message to the Ephesians believers, but it is a message from the Lord. The one, as I read to you, that says, holds the seven stars in his right hand. And the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. You see, this is one message of seven that you find early on in the book of Revelation. Written to various churches. For instruction, correction, and maybe just a word of encouragement for them 
to get their act together. Are you with me there? These lampstands that we read about in Revelation chapter 2 are the churches themselves. These churches are to be lights in a dark world. That's interesting, isn't it? I thought church was just about us gathering together, singing four songs, hearing a so-so message, you know, uh, letting our kids go and have a great time, and then we leave here and go do anything different. No, no, no. You see, the plan for the church has always been that the church of Jesus Christ shine the light of Jesus Christ in its culture. Let me say that again. The plan has been for the church of Jesus Christ to shine the light of Jesus Christ in its culture. That's what 1910 Church is all about. We are here, we understand, just as we prayed for living hope today, that we are just a small blip on God's radar, that we are just one embassy, we're one lampstand shining the light of Jesus Christ throughout this community. Are you with me there? That's the plan. The stars are these pastors of the churches that are being held in God's hand. And it says that, that, that Jesus is walking among these lampstands. That means that even though he is not physically present in each church, Jesus is vigilant over the church and he knows the conviction of each member. Today, I hope that you've experienced the presence of Jesus. He's here with us. He's here with us and he's moving and he wants to work even in this moment here. And we said over the last few weeks, if you're with us any month of December, we made a statement through our series called The Center. God doesn't search lip service. He searches the heart. You see, today you need to understand that our high priest, Jesus himself, is here with us and he knows our heart. He knows where we're at in relation to where does our love for him sit today? We might sing loud. We might lift our hands. You might have even elevated a little bit today. This is a great workout session. Listen, for some of you, this is gym membership right here on Sunday. Get your praise on. But he knows our heart. He really knows what's going on inside of us. Now, in Revelation chapter 2, these first few verses, Jesus is commending this church gathered at Ephesus. He's commending them for their perseverance and their faithfulness towards righteousness. He's commending them for being faithful even in the midst of difficulties and even persecution. What you find here, Jesus commending these people at Ephesus because they were also testing those who would come in from outside of the church who claimed to be apostles. Now, the Greek word for that means ones sent by God. But what the church in Ephesus was beginning to experience was that there, there weren't people coming in as apostles being sent by God, but sent by the enemy, the devil himself. Listen, just as God uses people, so does the devil. And we at 1910 will continue to be vigilant over those that come into the house. Those that come with a word from God, those that feel like they want to be in a leadership position or a platform, I'm telling you, as the shepherd, I'm going to guard my sheep. But the church in Ephesus was experiencing those coming in trying to cause disunity. Those coming in with a word that really weren't sent by God himself. And Jesus was saying, thank you guys for being vigilant and not letting those people in. Now, this church looked amazing on paper. Revelation 2, 1 through 3, awesome church. Who wouldn't want to be a part of a church like that? But then verse 4 comes, and the tide shifts a little bit. 
Jesus begins to speak to a main central issue. Jesus shares with him, I am unhappy with you because you have lost your first love. Now listen, their zeal for doctrine was fiery hot at Ephesus, but they had lost their first love for Jesus. Hey, these people would show up for Bible studies and community outreach. They would be the ones beating down the doors right now going to sign up for a group like you're about to do. But yet they had become lazy in their pursuit and love for Jesus. They stood up against evil, persecution, but they began to develop within them a sluggish, lazy love towards Jesus and even it says in verse four, towards one another. You see, their joy and enthusiasm for their first love had died. The church at Ephesus had become ritualistic. It had become stagnant. And Jesus threatens to remove their lampstand from their presence if they did not repent of their abandonment of the faith. Now, why am I looking at Revelation chapter two with us today? Because... I believe that in the Christian life, there is potential for all of us to lose our love and stall out. Would you agree with me? And even for those of you, you uber spiritual ones in the room today, there's probably a time in your life where, where, where you, can, you, you can remember that, you know what, I, I, I did begin to kind of fall off at some point in my life. There was a detour. There was a little distraction. What causes this? I believe the answer is really simple. The direction of our love changed. You see, as a Christian, we are compelled to love outward, right? For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve others. Some of those very early things that you and I learned about it, for those of us that spent any time in church, was we understood and we learned that Jesus loves us, right? All the little children of the world. The Bible tells us that we learn those things. We read stories about the love of Jesus. You see, for a genuine Christian, if their focus is right and if their first love is where it needs to be, their, their focus will always be outward. But what happens is our focus changes and the direction of our love changes. Instead of considering others greater than ourselves, well, it becomes about us, my likes, my wants. It starts when I get there. They sing the songs that I know and I like. Oh, it's a little too loud for me parking lot attendant didn't greet me with as much joy and exuberance as he should have as a son and child of the king, right? Becomes about us. Someone's in my chair. Hey, why in the world would he make me squeeze in and create room for someone else? I got here early, right? What happens is what happens in Ephesus. Our focus and the direction of our love changes. And when that happens, we have moved away from our first love. How does a person's love turn inward? Focus more maybe on self-pleasures. Their care and concern for others is not as great. They, they may even be, begin to isolate themselves from other people. Hey, by the way, if you know someone that's kind of in isolationism right now, probably a pretty good indicator that something's going on. Is it possible for a church to be abandoned by Jesus? 
Well, it's evident in, in Revelation chapter 4, this church in Ephesus was, stood on the precipice of that. Jesus indicated that he would abandon this church. Do, do you think that Jesus has abandoned any church today? Is it possible for people to, to attend a worship gathering and for Jesus not to be present? Do, do you think Jesus is present every time you go to church? Or is it possible for a church to also lose its first love? I got to thinking about that. What does it look like maybe when a, when, when, when a church loses its first love? I think it becomes more about programs instead of people. I, I think that their, their worship gatherings are, 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 are spirit-less instead of spirit-full. I, I believe that when a church loses its first love, there's, there's no life transformation happening. You know what that means? That means that there's, there's, there's no one getting saved saying yes to Jesus. and There's, just, there's no change taking place. Church has lost its first love. Church has lost its first love, doesn't, doesn't have a care for those outside the building. They're comfortable. It's a club. They're satisfied with the 550 of us in this room or more right now. We're good. This is it. This is all we need. 32,000 square feet, that's all we need. Everybody else, good luck. Church has lost its first love, has, has, has no desire to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm good. Groups, great marketing scheme. Thanks for the sticker, but not interested. No desire to go deeper. Why would I preach this message today? This, 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 because I believe that this message that was sent in Revelation 2 to the church in Ephesus is a timely message for us on this second Sunday of 2019. If we lose our first love, we lose Jesus. Have you lost your first love? Have you today, I'm talking individual, have you lost your love for Jesus? I found from Nancy DeMoss just a series of some things to maybe ask ourselves and to see where we're at. Am I still in love with Jesus or have I lost it? So, so, so for instance, measure your love for him. Have you lost it against these statements? For instance, you don't have a strong desire to spend time with him. Maybe you don't have a strong hunger for the word and, and, and Bible reading is a chore. It's something to mark off your to-do list. Well, I sign up to read the Bible in 90 days and crud, man, I'm behind. I'm going to, I want to plow ahead. I, I don't want to, but I want to read 59 pages right now. Re read the Bible for transformation, not information. Have you lost your first love? Maybe because spending time in prayer is a burden or a duty to you rather than a delight and a joy. Maybe you're more concerned about what others think and pleasing them than about what God knows and pleasing Christ. <laughs> Maybe you've lost your first love. Hey, has your service for Christ and others, is it motivated by a sense of duty or obligation? Hey, maybe you've lost your first love because you can talk with others about your kids, your marriage, the weather, the news, the Cowboys game, whatever, but you struggle to talk about the Lord and spiritual matters. Is that you? Have you lost your first love? 
Or maybe you've lost your first love because you rarely give sacrificially to the Lord's work. Have you lost your first love? Where are you today? The church in Ephesus was in trouble. But I want you to know it wasn't hopeless. And I'm going to go back to something that I said early on to you. Because for someone listening today, you might feel like, man, I've blown it. I'm too far gone. There is no way I can come back. Oh, man, I want, to, I want you to know that there's hope. Because you see, in Revelation chapter 2, it doesn't end with verse 4. There is a verse 5. Can I read that one to you? Jesus loves his church. And he loves the people in Ephesus. And his heart of compassion towards them begins to be made known. And Jesus counsels them in verse five and he gives them three things to do. He says this, look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Listen, three things that Jesus was encouraging this church that had lost their first love to do. Three things I want to share with you today if you've lost your first love. First of all, Jesus says to look back. He wants you to remember where you were when you burned red hot for God. When, when your love was strong, that relationship that you shared with him, it was a want to, not a have to. You wanted to be in his presence. You long for more of him. He wants you to look back and remember when you used to sing loud. He wants you to remember when you used to raise your hands, when you got maybe even a little emotional, when you sang about redemption and the love of a king. He wants you to, to tell others about this change that has been brought in your life. He wants you to want to be at church and check this out. He's crazy. He wants you to even serve and advance the kingdom of the church. He wants you to look back and remember when prayer was a big deal, when prayer was important, not some rote or routine thing that you have to do to impress people and not get indigestion. He wants it to be real to you. He wants you to look back and remember where he once were. He also wants you to turn back. He, he told the church in Ephesus, not only do I want you to look back, but I want you to turn back. You know what that means? He wants you to get back in the game. Listen, the enemy wants you to stay on the sidelines, but there is a God in heaven that says, no, no, I want you to get back in. Come on, quit beating yourself up. Don't you waller in your pity party and your, 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 your sorrow. Listen, it's not what you haven't done. Quit hating on yourself. It's time to get back in the game. Turn back to me, look back. Remember, I want you to turn back, get back in the game. And he says this, and we don't like to talk about this, but he said, I want you to repent. I want you to repent. You know what that means? That means that I've got to admit my junk and my funk. And I make a willing decision to stop that and to turn away from that. But you know what's wrong with us today? We're like a dog that keeps returning to its vomit. We know it's disgusting what's happening in our lives, but man, we can't get away from it. No, no, he's telling the church in Ephesus and I believe that he's calling someone in this room today or watching us online that have lost your first love. I want you to repent. I want you to confess. Listen, he already knows your heart. He knows it. He wants you to acknowledge it. 
And he wants you to willingly make a decision. Today is the day I draw a line in the sand and I am changing the way I am and the way I live. Are you with me today, church? He wants you to repent. He wants you to look back and remember where you once were with him. He wants you to turn back. You get back in the game. Quit sitting on the sidelines and being sad and pitiful. And he wants you to repent and bring change today. Would you stand with me this morning? And I'm gonna do something pretty radical for us. Today, I wanna wanna call those of you that would be honest with yourself, say, you know what? You're talking to me today because I've lost my first love. What once burned hot and bright in me, it's, it's, it's dormant right now. If that's you today, and today is a day of change in your life, I want you to come and I just want you to fill this altar up. I want you to bow down on your knees right now. Come on, if that's you today, and your love is not there where it needs to be. Today's the day you wanna to return to your I just want you to come and I want you to spend some time with the Father this morning. He loves you. You don't have to stay where you're at. Amen. Holy people in this room, praise God, Jesus, then we're gonna go and advance the kingdom today. No, 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 I think there's some people need to be honest. Your love's not where it needs to be. Bow your heads and close your eyes today. What do you believe God's saying to you in this moment? What do you believe he's saying to us today, right now? want you to know that that he's not finished with us that maybe it's dormant right now but there is a greater preparation taking place in your life because there's a greater future on your horizon but i'm telling you it starts when you return to your first love when you return to jesus when you don't return to doing things for him and going more and giving more no 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 he said i want you i want you to return to your first love do you remember that adoration you once had for him you used to want to live to please him and you didn't care what other people think do you remember when you were broken over your sin and you would seek him for the forgiveness of that sin hey what is the spirit of god calling you to today there's nothing else that mattered but but simply being in the presence of jesus turn back to him today turn back to him today turn back to your first love when you turn back to your first love you sing a little bit louder We're going to shout a hallelujah. We're going to return to that first love.